Welcome to Woodlawn. We're glad that you've joined us. Now, last Sunday, we celebrated Easter. We talked about Jesus' death and then his resurrection. Today, I want to follow up on that, and I want to ask the question, what happens after you die? Maybe you've been thinking about that. Maybe you've wondered. Maybe you don't know. Maybe you have no background in the Bible or in the church, and you really don't understand what that's all about. Today, I want to talk about that. How many of you would say, I really don't like talking about death? I know a lot of people say, that's no fun. I don't really want to talk about that. What happens when you die? Well, your physical body ceases to exist, but you will live eternally somewhere. Now, the scripture says in 2 Corinthians, and if you want to write down 2 Corinthians 5.1, it says, For we know that this earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. In other words, our bodies grow weary, but our spirit, our soul, lives forever. Now, in verses 2 through 4, it says, Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. And if you skip down to verse 6, it says, Therefore we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. In other words, while we're here on earth, we're not living in heaven with God. Now, He's present with us, and we are having a relationship with Him. But He says, if we're absent from the body, then we're present with the Lord. In other words, we're in heaven with Him. So what is our goal in life, knowing that? So whether we're here in body or away from the body, what's our goal? Well, it could be to accumulate a lot of money. Wait a minute. Did I just mess up? Did I say that? No, that's not it. Our goal is to become famous on YouTube, right? No, that's not really our goal either. Our goal is to get a record number of likes on our latest post. That's our goal, right? No, that's not it either. Well, wait a minute. What is our goal? I know. Our goal is to have a new house with plenty of shiplap. Aren't you impressed that I know about shiplap? No, that's not our goal either. Our goal, it says in verse 9, is we make our goal to please Him, to please God, whether we're at home in the body or away from it. That's our goal. Now, in verse 10, Paul says, For we must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things while in the body, whether good or bad. What's that talking about? We're going to talk about that. Ultimately, our goal is to please Christ. Now, some people would ask, why are we talking about death? That's not a fun subject. Well, what about eternity? Why are we talking about that? What happens to you one minute after you die? Well, the reason that we're looking at that is because what you believe about eternity will make all the difference in the way that you and I live today. If you believe there's no God and there's no eternity, then you might as well just live for yourself. Do what you want to do. Be single-minded and selfish and just do whatever you want to right now. But if you do believe that you were created by God for a purpose, then you're going to live somewhere eternally. What you want to do is makes a difference in where you live today and the way you live. 
What we believe about eternity will determine how we live today. Remember, your physical body will cease to be existing, but your soul will continue to live. So I want us to look at three things today that we can learn from this immediately after life is over. The first thing is this. Number one, our physical bodies die. You can count on that. Scripture says in Hebrews 9.27, just as people are destined to die once. Now, I want to pause right there for a minute, and I want you to keep that thought, and I want you to think about this. I want to make sure you understand that recent studies, and the studies are conclusive, say that one out of one people, one person dies. In other words, you're going to die. I'm going to die. All people, every person's going to die. And then it goes on in the scripture and says, just as people are destined to die once, and after that, the judgment. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. It goes on in the scripture to say, and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. What's going to happen after we die? Our physical bodies will cease to exist. But second, our souls will separate from our physical bodies. Our physical body stays behind, but our soul continues to live. Jesus said this in Matthew 10, 28. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. When your body ceases to exist, your soul continues to live. Now, Jesus illustrated this truth in John's gospel. He was talking to Martha, who was incredibly upset because her brother Lazarus had died, and he had been dead for four days. And this is what Jesus said to Martha. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Now, what happens to the soul of a follower of Jesus Christ after the body dies? Well, the Bible isn't exactly detailed, clear about that, what happens immediately, but we do know to be absent from the body is to be present from, with the Lord. Do you remember those criminals who were on either side of Jesus on the cross? And as they were there, both of them were guilty. Both of them needed forgiveness. One of them was just gruff. He didn't care what happened to him. But the other one said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. In other words, hey, I want to get my life straightened out. I'm about to die. He recognized his need. He cried out to Jesus for grace. And that's what he got. Jesus, he said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And by grace, Jesus, not by works, because the man couldn't do anything. He was hanging on a cross. This guilty man, he couldn't do anything. But Jesus answered him and said, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. So you see, it's very obvious we're saved by grace, it's not something we do to get saved. The only thing we can do is accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. Well, now, where is paradise? What exactly does that mean? We're not completely clear about where it is, but we know that it's better than this earthly life we're living. 
The Apostle Paul writes about this, and he's struggling about what to do. He's talking about this in Philippians chapter 1, verses 20 through 24. And what he's basically saying is, as long as I'm here on earth, then I can witness, and I can lead people to Christ, and I can help them. But you know, when I go to heaven, it's going to be great too because there I'm going to be with God. And what he was saying is he was torn between the two. He wanted to stay here as long as he could because it was best for the people around him. But he also knew what was coming when he left and he knew that would be greater than what he had here. And so he looked forward to that as well. And I trust that my life, he said, will bring honor to Christ whether I live or whether I die. For me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. That's what he's talking about. So to be here is to be in the body, but to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So his struggle is, do I want to be here, or do I want to be in heaven? I really want to be with Jesus, but for your sakes, I'm going to stay here. What happens one minute after you die? Well, we do know that our physical bodies die, our soul continues to live, and they separate at some point. And then third, we're all going to face judgment. It's very, very clear in the Bible. Peter says it this way in 1 Peter 1, 17. And remember that the heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge and reward according to what you do. You must live your life in reverent fear of him during your time as a temporary resident here on earth. Remember, this world is not our home. We're just passing through. It's a short period of time compared to the eternal life that we will spend with God forever in heaven. We will be judged or we will be rewarded based on a couple of things. Let me show you what the scripture says. There are two different judgments. Did you know that? Did you know there are two different judgments? I'm going to show it to you in Scripture. The first one is called the great white throne of judgment. Now, most scholars believe that the great white throne of judgment is only for non-believers. And I agree with that assessment. The scripture says in Revelation, you might want to write this down, Revelation 20, verses 11, 12, and 15, John, who was exiled to the Isle of Patmos, he had a vision that was given to him by the Holy Spirit of the things that were to come. And this is what he said he saw. I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. The earth and the sky fled from his presence but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were open, including the book of life. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. What's the lake of fire? We're going to talk about that next week. We've got a whole message dedicated to explain that to you. So you want to listen today and you want to tune in next week too. What is the book of life? What we know is that Jesus is the Son of God and he was born without sin. He's often referred to as the Lamb of God who was slain for our forgiveness of sins. Jesus died in our place to pay for our sins.
Now, when you come to a place like that criminal on the cross and you recognize that you have a need for grace, then you cry out for grace and you receive it from him. It's not by works. There was nothing the man could do, but it is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And when you call on him, your name is written in the book of life, the Lamb's book of life. And when your name is in the book, the scripture tells us your name can never be blotted out. But what if your name is not in there? In Matthew 7, 21, Jesus said this, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. On Judgment Day, he said, many will call out to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, and we cast out demons in your name. We perform many miracles in your name. But verse 23, Jesus says this, but I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. In other words, These are people who were not in a relationship with God. They knew about God in this world, but they never came to know him in a personal and real way to realize that he could be their savior. There are two judgments. The first is known as the great white throne of judgment. And you have to ask the question, is my name written in the Lamb's book of life? The second judgment is called the judgment seat. Now, Paul is talking to the Corinthian believers here in 2 Corinthians 5.10. These were followers of Christ he's talking to, and this is what he says. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us must receive what is due him. For the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Now, what is the judgment seat of Christ? It comes from the Greek word bema, B-E-M-A, and it's taken from the Greek Olympics. Let me tell you what used to happen. After a race, the winners would come before the judge, and they would sit there on the bema. The judge would sit there, and he would judge people first, second, and third in the race. The judge would then give out awards, and he would say there's a crown or wreath for first place. Now, this Bema seat was not a place to judge, did you qualify? The Bema seat was a place to say, we celebrate the fact that you finished the race, that you were faithful, and here's your reward for what you have done. It's very important to understand that the judgment seat of Christ is not a judgment of your sins. This is a judgment for the followers of Christ. Your sins were judged and forgiven by Jesus. This is a place where if Jesus acknowledges you, then what you did on this earth is rewarded in heaven. Now you're sitting there and you're saying, wait a minute, I'm confused. I'm saved by grace, but I'm rewarded in heaven because of what I did. Let me see if I can explain it a little more. Our sin separates us from a holy God. We're all born separated from God. We are saved by the grace of Jesus and only by the grace of Jesus. So we're saved by grace, but we are rewarded for our works. Once we're already saved, 
we're still going to be rewarded for the things that we do for God in the kingdom. The reality is when you've truly been transformed by Jesus and you're a new creation, you recognize that only Jesus' love could change you. You don't have to work for your salvation, but you want to live for the glory of Jesus. You're saved by grace, but you're rewarded for your works. Because of what he did, you're no longer the same. You're saved by grace, but you're rewarded in heaven by the way that you live. See, what we do here matters in eternity. What will we be rewarded for? What will we be judged for? Well, by the way we treat people. If we cared for people, if we cared for the outcast, if we took care of the poor, if we cared about people who were broken or marginalized or hurting, if we had motives that were pure, if we spoke words of kindness, you'll be judged by how you endure suffering and rewarded for it. You'll be judged and rewarded by what you did with what you had. Do you use your resources to be a blessing to somebody else? Or do you just hoard all your resources like toilet paper during the coronavirus? I'm not going to share with anybody. You'll be rewarded when you bring people to Christ. There's a crown, the scripture says, for those who are soul winners, for those who lead people to Christ. I want you to imagine today that your life is over. Your physical body ceases to exist and you're standing before Jesus. And he takes out a crown and he places it on your head. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant. When you served those children every week and you prayed with them and you taught them about me, when you loved them and showed them an example of Jesus Christ, you didn't think anybody was watching, but I was. When you prayed and prayed and prayed for people and you were the brightest light in your office, even though people made fun of you for your faith, you didn't think anybody was watching, but I was. No one saw what you did when you did the right thing, but you always did the right thing. But Jesus said, I saw it. I saw it every time. You gave. You didn't have much to give, but you gave sacrificially. You always tithed. You always used what you had to help meet the needs of other people. And I want you to know, I noticed that. Well done. You shared your faith. You visited me in prison. You comforted me when I was sick. You gave me food when I was hungry. And you gave me water when I was thirsty. And then you and I will ask Jesus, Lord, when did we do that? And he will look at you and say, when you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. What we believe about eternity makes a difference in the way that we live today. When it comes for living in for eternity, I haven't been doing a very good job lately. I'm a pastor, and I do my job, but there's a life apart from my job. And here's the mistake that I have made. Maybe you can learn from me. I didn't see that there was an opposite force. The longer I live on earth, the more my roots tend to dig down into this life. And I find myself today caring way too much about the things of this world. The more comfortable my life becomes, 
the more I crave comfort. And the more I crave comfort, the less I live for what really matters the most. So with everything in me, I'm trying to fight against the gravity toward the things of this world that pull me. I have to spend more time in prayer. I'm moving toward the things that matter, but then I'll get distracted by the world. And so I have to let the Holy Spirit recenter me. It's kind of like using your GPS when you travel. Sometimes you mess up and you have to recalculate. Sometimes the Holy Spirit has to do that for you and me. And I find that the more I pray for other people, the more I have an eternal perspective. I spend longer time in God's Word because I need it, because there's a pull toward the world and the temporary. Now let me tell you something. One day your heart's going to stop beating. And at that point, there are no do-overs. That's why in this world, I have to fight to keep that eternal life, the goal, front and center. Jesus has to be my goal to please him. If you find yourself more concerned about this world, then you have to cut away the roots of this world in order to live for the next. Let the Holy Spirit recalculate your life to bring you back to the spiritual center where you need to be. You just have one goal. Remember, this life, we're just passing through. And whatever we do, our goal is to please Him. Let us pray. Lord, I just have to confess that I'm just too much in this world. I've been here 63 years now, and I had a close call with death in December. But you brought me back for a reason. Lord, in all my faults and failures, I still want to be your man. And so I pray, humbly pray, that you would continue to use me, that you would draw me closer to you, and that you would enable me to be your witness for the time I have left on this earth. Lord, I pray that every person that listens to my voice today will know what it means to have a relationship with you. And Lord, if they need to pray for that right now, I just pray that they would bow their head and pray, Jesus, I don't know you personally, but I want to. And so today I'm asking you to come into my heart because the Bible says if we believe with our heart and we confess with our mouth, we will be saved. Lord, we know we don't talk about things we don't believe in, but I just ask you to help us to believe in you and to live this life in such a way that we're focused on eternity. Thank you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us in worship today. We know it's a little different than the way we normally have Sunday services, but whether we are gathered in one room together or watching on a phone from our living rooms, we are still the church. Location doesn't define us. Our commitment to Christ and to one another does. No matter what changes around us, that never will. We want to leave you with some good information to keep in mind as we wrap up today. First, you still have the opportunity to continue your regular giving. Although we are not meeting in person, the Lord still calls us to faithfulness in this area. People will need help in the days ahead and we want to be prepared to offer that assistance. 
Your regular giving will go a long way to allow ministries to continue happening locally and around the world. There are several methods for you to give even though we aren't gathering on Sundays. First, to give online by credit card or bank draft, please visit woodlawnpcb.info giving or text GIVE to 813-644-8622 or third, mail checks payable to Woodlawn UMC to the church office. All this information can be found on our giving page. Second, it is such a joy to pray for one another during this time. If you have prayer needs, please head to the link below to submit prayer requests and to let us know what needs you may have. Lastly, we want to know that you've tuned in with us today. You can fill out a digital connection card that will help us know who you are and how to serve you best. There is also a section there to let us know if you've made a commitment to Jesus today or if you have questions about how to come to know Him. Our team will be standing ready, so please don't hesitate to reach out. We can't wait to connect with you. Blessings on you today and in the days ahead. See you next time.